Hey, welcome to Space Bras, the podcast for bad bitch sci-fi nerds. I'm Mary, and with me is the howling strawberry moon, Kate. What's up, girl? Oh, you know, nothing, just recording this amazing podcast with you. Indeed. Kate, do you know what the strawberry moon is? I other don't, than the actually. Fact, other than the fact that you are one. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, indeed. Other than I know that we are radiant, um, you know, moon-like creatures. What are we? <laughs> of course. Um, so... I found this out uh, when I was trying to think of parties to have in the doldrum months of January and March that mm-hmm. every all the full moons have their own names. So, like, obviously the most famous Ooh. is, like, the harvest moon. But yeah. uh, the strawberry moon is June's full moon. And actually, it was last night. Oh. On June 28th. So I hope you went outside and did something witchy and <laughs> danced in the buff and all that good stuff. I mean, I wish I had done anything that exciting, but I definitely did admire the full moon. So there you go. Yeah. There you go. And we're here today to discuss what, Mary? Bitch Planet! Woo! Another celestial body. Bitch Planet. <laughs> Absolutely, you're exactly right. Uh, another, another lingering place in space. Um, and this definitely is a podcast. This issue, this this particular podcast show, is about an amazing piece of media. I really did enjoy Bitch Planet. Me too. Mary, would you like to provide a quick overview of what this particular graphic novel series is? Because it is a graphic novel. I don't know if we've actually mentioned that. Um, it's a graphic novel series uh, about a dystopian future state where basically 1950s man-dominated world views yeah. rule. And if you are a lady and you put a toe out of line and are non-compliant with you know, within the rules of this new world. Yeah, non-compliant to the patriarchy, which I think most women, non-binary, and probably dudes who would want to listen to our podcast are. Right. You are packed in a, a veiny goo substance and shipped off to what they call the Auxiliary Compliance Outpost, which is a celestial body um, far, far away from Earth, colloquially referred to as Bitch Planet. Yeah. A prison planet, basically, because the prison industrial complex literally gets its own freaking planet. That seems fair. So inside this world, uh, it's a future world where the patriarchy reigns totally supreme. Um, And what's the creepy name they give themselves? Yeah, the fathers. (laughs) Yeah, let's... let's... Father. And at one point, and I just gathered this from, like, literally counting frames and, like, uh, counting screens in a frame. And there are 12 fathers, and you, everyone is being policed, kind of like in 1984. But instead of worrying about thought police, all the men are able to report on any of the women for non-compliant behavior. And later on in the uh, volume one, we see an interaction where infractions can be as trivial as a stranger rolling their eyes at you. So this guy is mansplaining feel like muffins or something ridiculous and she rolls her eyes at him and he's like is that an eye roll and she's genuinely scared so super fun place to live um but the way that like using the term fathers it very much feels like that 1950s paternalistic kind of sexism where it's like um men know what's best for you as my uh as as my partner once told my father every man that she's ever met has always known 
what was best for her before even meeting her. Um, it's, <laughs> it's kind of like that. So a good old boys club is uh, running the show. There's all this gross like camaraderie. Um, I'm not saying camaraderie is general, generally bad, but you're in a prison and they are uh, inflicting psychological, emotional and physical torture on these women. And you see these two men who work in the prison who are behind the screens, the ones who are running the controls. And one of the man says to the other, run the Catholic. And the friend says, I love the Catholic. And he says, I look after you, don't I? And the other guy's like, you sure do. And that's the creepiest thing to be like, we're going to run this program that's supposed to like shame this woman and make her want to like confess to a murder she didn't commit. Um, how fun is that? I look after you. Yeah. Just. I found those two. So we should, well, we should just kind of, I think we should just dive right in. Yeah, let's do an overview of the characters and stuff. But I will say, so kind of the Greek chorus, I would say, of this story are these two men. I don't Mm -hmm. think we ever see them, like, below the waist. They're always seated, and we pretty much just see them from, like, the nips up. Um, Yeah, no, they're they're the floating heads. Yeah. You're right. They are kind of, like, also the Greek chorus and, like, the social commentary directly to us because they're they're viewers like we are except that they can change the course right and they kind of they sit in like a control room in bitch planet which for the most part seems like it's um it's like full-on prison movie style where you get the sense that everyone can kind of is just kind of wandering around this giant concrete box um yeah like there's no like 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 lights out and then like someone flips a big switch and they all like the lights boom go down but um it's, you know, it's a future world. So you see you see these guys kind of running this um, giant operating system hologram that kind of walks around and, and talks to uh, and, and con- attempts to control and torture the women that are in uh, Bitch Planet. And we'll get to that woman more, but um, or that hologram more. But these yeah, two guys, it's I would because it's a visual meaning, I feel like we need to describe that, like this hologram is basically like a giant kind of pink outline of a white woman who's had a lot of plastic surgery. Like it is the most grotesque display of femininity. And I'm not saying anything bad about plastic surgery, but it is a caricature of someone trying to hold on to something that um, men have told her she needs instead of just being a human being. Yeah. And uh, these two dudes are just kind of sitting and they they kind of, (laughs) I find myself relating to them in a way that makes me feel quite uncomfortable. (laughs) Totally. No, they're, they're the other viewers, except that they're, they're viewers, they're viewers like us. And we'll, we'll talk more about it. Bitch, Bitch Planet has sort of this giant commentary on television and entertainment and all, all of that built into it. But they're kind of, they're kind of cogs in this big machine. And yeah, they're not, they're not tortured, but they're also not high up, right? They must live yeah. on this prison planet. It takes it takes a long time to get there, so they're not going home to dinner, right? Like, they live there. Yeah. And they kind of have this, like, th- their, their comments are always, like, empathy, but then apathy. <laughs> like, kind of flipping yeah. back and forth. Like they, they for- they, like, like, they forgive and validate each other to feel, to feel nothing towards these women. So and, and part of them like in like gratifies self gratifying. Yes. No, uh, and the, and there is enjoyment there too. So it's sort yeah. of it's it's an interesting commentary because we are also reading the book, right? So we also feel all of those feelings. We exactly. also most people that I know, I have I have a desk job, right? I'm a des- mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a designer. 
um, for a company that I think mostly does good for the world. But, you know, there are days where I think to myself, somebody who is working for way less money than I am is working much harder. There are a lot of days like that, right? Yeah. Like I have oh, a cushy, yeah, totally. I have a cushy desk job and I, yeah. and, but at the same time, I'm like, but I deserve my paycheck, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like when it comes, right. I'm like, it's not enough. So I, I kind of like, when I see them talking, I'm like, oh, that's like middle-class people. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So it's, no, exactly. People who um, are disenfranchised by the system, but not enough to actually like right. do a thing about it. Right. Um, and, and they, they talk it away because probably their lives are not that good. And they and they explain it to each other. They say they validate each other in those moments so that they can push away and not care as much. And it's sort of, um, you know, like uh, it it reminded me of that's like, you know, when people are moving large sums of money, like when you send when people are are given um, giant like, you know, gold lump sums. Right. And they move it between um, financial institutions. Yeah. yeah, there's always two of them because one of them might if you if you were given an opportunity to like run away and and be free, which in a capitalistic society is represented by a giant bag of money, you might yeah. do it. But if you have yeah. another person there, you you are automatically more compliant because what if what if they tell on you or what if they won't go with you or what if they kill yeah. you or so you kind of the system e- makes you inherently distrust the ones around you even when yeah. you can like, or feel, relate to them or feel watched and policed so it's sort yeah. of this interesting thing where they're watching these women and the world is watching these women and we the reader are watching these women and these guys are also watching each other it's very yeah. interesting <laughs> i like these no, guys yeah. they're a, they're a great element of the book and um and uh it probably Beyond the women who are in a horrible, like, more horrible situation than I can even imagine, I find sure. them almost the most relatable of all yeah. the characters. I don't well, feel sorry for them, some... though. No, absolutely. You've touched on a lot of really interesting points that, like, this uh, this graphic novel does a lot to take on uh, sex exploitation. It does a lot to take on media. It does a lot to take on um, body positivity, on racism, on uh, the penal system, on classism. It's, that's, I think, what I liked so much about it was, like, that you could, in each issue, it was like there were all these issues that even if they were just tangentially graced by, you were able to see them and recognize them and therefore, like, kind of feel seen and heard by the makers of this graphic novel. Even if you didn't enjoy what's happening in the characters, and I know that this is supposed to be satirical, like, a lot of it felt real, real. I would agree with that. Let's start talking, let's start telling people what, what goes down. Okay. All right. So, um, the outline of this show is, um, <laughs> okay, so the outline of this book, it revolves around this, uh, something called a Megaton, or, uh, Dumilla? Is that how you pronounce that? I think so. Yeah. Okay. And We're doing our best, folks. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a uh, printed media. So, yeah. and no matter what you call it, it's basically a showdown. It was the way that they decided to channel male aggression into the healthiness of sports, where it's, you can die on the field. So it's basically like gladiators, but like yeah. everybody's it's state sponsored, like gladiators were, but everybody's on board it's not like they're just torturing some people like people want to do this for the glory the glory i'll be less charitable it's football it's <laughs> it's 
it's football. That's it's what they're football, doing. Except you can literally do anything to your components. Yes. It's no holds. It's no it's holds football. barred football. Yeah. Yes. Including, well, I won't get there. We'll, we'll, we'll get there later. Anyway. Um, so we are over on Bitch Planet where we meet uh, a whole gang of amazing women, starting with Marion, who kind of seems like she might be the protagonist, which was really interesting. So in issue one, uh, and something I love when talking about graphic novels is the way in which they use their medium to like enrich the story. Like there's a reason why it's a graphic novel, not just like a book. And you got these side by side, um, panels where, uh, Mr. Collins, a husband and Mrs. Collins or Marion Collins are both explaining their story to higher ups. So Mr. Collins is talking to someone, uh, at a local level, uh, one of the, the fathers or someone who was a direct report to a father about how there's been a mistake and his wife shouldn't have been arrested. And Mrs. Collins also talking, Marion Collins, about how um, she's not supposed to be there and it was a mistake. Uh, the background is that Mr. Collins was cheating and uh, Marion Collins said she was devastated, hurt, and that she made threats. And Mr. Collins represents that as she went crazy. And I didn't feel safe. <laughs> um, but because she had no prior infractions, he bribed someone uh, to change her record so that she was officially non-compliant and would go away. But frame by frame, like, this seems to reinforce this telling of the same story. Like, uh, they're both begging for uh, forgiveness for a mistake. Her for going crazy and him for trying to get her set to this bitch planet yeah. before it totally subverts expectations and you realize... He's not worried about his wife at all. Like, when he says, just like that, it was fixed, he meant Marion got taken away and I could stay with uh, the woman I was committing adultery with. And she is now my wife. So, at first, you think Marion might be one of the stars. And she's, like, I want to say the only, like, uh, uh, very white woman that you see in that opening section. And... By the end of the first issue, uh, you've seen her be disposed of by the system because uh, Mr. Collins has a new wife and doesn't want the complications of the paperwork associated with Marion Collins. So they kill her. And you realize right away that um, this isn't her story. So this is a story about the prison and the people who are in it still. The people yeah. who, like aren't trying to convince someone that they shouldn't be there, but are trying to survive being in there. This which first, is really cool. This first story is really cool. It's also, um, so this would be the, we read uh, the trade paperback of this. So yeah. we reread the first um, four issues of Bitch Planet um, bound together in something that looks pretty when you put it on a bookshelf. Totally. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which is really the sign that I'm getting old. I like, mm -hmm. I remember going and buying issues of books and being like, uh, people who get trades the worst. And now I'm yeah. like, I'm like, can I just wait for the trade? You know? It's... Well, I mean, and that's the thing. Like, I have all my comics in storage and yeah. buy in storage. You have and, like, magazine in, holders. In your long boxes. And yeah. They're so hard to actually, like, pull <sighs> out and flick through that I'm really yep. sorry. I've become a trades person. I know. And yet, trades are one of the things that can kill promising young comics like it's true. um the world of wakanda which got canceled oh. even before the trade was released because sometimes marvel sucks um that's not even that's not even i don't even know if that's like a trade issue that's 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 deep and dark and i think we i well, actually think we yeah, should cover but they tried that, to yeah. justify it by like lack yes. of sales but it was before like there even was a book and 
let's be honest, if you're not totally plugged in, it's really hard to follow comics issue to issue because the schedule is confusing. I'm and sorry. If you think that you, you think that Roxanne Gay will not sell for you, you can go to hell. Oh, absolutely. No, you've actually just made a gigantic you mistake. A Did you mistake. see that she was able to manifest Channing Tatum and herself working on a project together? That woman actually has superpowers. She's also like like um She's her, an amazing author. She's, she's an amazing a, author. She's like she's a she's a on the bestseller list for both on a regular basis. For I bad Scott. Hunger and she was and the new her amazing. new book, which I didn't even know was coming out, and I love her and follow her on Instagram. She's no, it was so amazing. She doesn't even like tout her new book until it is on shelves. Until she can well, take and, a picture of the cover. Come on. And I know that this isn't an issue about Roxanne Gay or um Hunger, but I do want to do a little plug. Her book tour, I've been to quite a few, you know. I'm sure, Mary, I know you have too. And yeah, she went up there and she read a little bit from it and then was like, Okay, well, you all can read this, so I'm just going to take questions from everyone in the audience. And it was amazing. And some of them, like, people were sharing things really intimate that they had a hard time saying. So, yeah. like, she literally read their phones for them and Aww. read the question and then answered it. She was just the kindest and best and just such a literary badass. Anyway, the point is, screw you, Marvel. Um, <laughs> point is, screw you, Marvel. Point is also, <laughs> Roxanne Gay. Yeah. Please. Check her out. If you somehow don't know, oh no! I mean, I am addressing. I am addressing her personally, which I, oh, I mean, yes. if I if she ever listened to this, I would fall oh, to the oh my god! I would fall to the floor and wait for Jesus to take me home because my life Seriously, would be done. That would be just am- <laughs> oh, she's, in- she's just incredible. She's incredible. Read, uh, read Bad Feminist. It's, read Start with uh, Bad Feminist. Amazing. It's Hunger's amazing. also really good. Um, yeah. and I'm sure her new her new book will be amazing as well. But uh, Roxanne Gay, if you are listening, which would be amazing, please, please, please. Do a media podcast. I don't care if it comes out quarterly. Yeah, I no. You, oh my god, that would be amazing. I want, she like. I want to hear her talk about every movie and TV show ever. Like I do. I just want. Anyway, so um, getting back to to Mister and Mrs. <laughs> Collins about. and the Mrs. Yeah. Collins, Mister and Mrs. Collins. Um, I. I really, I thought it was really cool. Uh, they pulled a full on psycho here, where you think that you're looking at the main character. And then yes. she's brutally cut down, literally sliced open with a knife. Yeah, no, it's it's so it's literally so creepy. And talking again about like like the layout, um, the layout as you're watching, like there's a woman trying to protect her, who you realize is like actually the protagonist, Cam, uh, who we find out at the end of this issue is actually the protagonist, um, is trying to protect Marion because she sees what's coming before Marion can even articulate it which i also, don't even know i don't even know what she thought was going to happen so basically like i think she knew not to trust these systems of authority that marion as a white woman thought she could so what happens is what happens is that you're watching this interplay of mm-hmm. um and, and what happens is they they get sent what you think is going down is mm-hmm. mr collins is on earth and he's talking to um some you know administrator for yeah. for a uh, bitch planet and he's explaining his story and he gives he pushes across the counter an envelope and says, you know, please make this right. It's all the money I have. And at this point, you think what he's doing is he's bribing this guy to get his wife to come back from Bitch Planet. And then uh-huh. on Bitch Planet, you see the the two guys that were talking about at the beginning um, who are in the control room getting a message from it and being like, all right, we got to we got to pull like and, and saying, like, all right, you know, we got to alert the guards on the floor. And. 
<laughs> and you think what they're going to do is they're going to pull her out. But instead, what they do is they run a hologram um, or they run their I uh, OS and she's talking to this woman while the guards prepare to get a knife and slit her throat. Um, yeah. And Cam kind of sees all this go down and there's a there's a fight going on in the prison that kind of breaks out and she grabs yeah. Marion and drags her along with her. And then she has a showdown with the rest of the other guards. Yeah. But unfortunately can't save this woman's life. Obviously. No, it's this amazing frame where like, she's totally black except for her lips. And she just sees this slash of blood. And it's it again, I feel like reinforces that she, in that moment, you're not supposed to think that she's the main character. Cause she's even like blacked out. Like you don't see her at all, but, <clears throat> but she is. And in the final spread, as you see, the color fading. Uh, there are three panels of Marion's uh, dead uh, face as the color fades out. And on the other side of the spread, the back matter of the issue, are um, a bunch of ads in World. And one of them is from her husband to his new wife, Dawn. And literally, it is um, an anniversary post where he says, let's stay young together. No, I'm sorry. It's half my age and all of my heart let's stay together <laughs> let's stay young together forever as long as it feels good like and that just reminded me of all the women who are like the picture he's not a problem because it's like you are buying into something where this guy is gonna throw you away instantly um well and it's also funny too i liked yeah for sure also yeah. also i liked that um so you get from right from the jump Obviously, I, no one goes into this book blind, I don't think. Totally. You know, well, I mean, it, it's very clear from, like, this, right. like from all of the ads what exactly it is. Right. You know? So, you know, but I, they make it very clear from the beginning that um, this is not a system that is running on ideology. So yeah. the ideology yeah, is unlike, used to control unlike people. Unlike Handmaid's Tale, which they reference at one point. They you do. Know? Like, yes. Yeah, it's not... It is literally just about the subjugation of, it is really, they would say the empowerment of males, but the subjugation of women. Right. Well, and, and that is entirely to keep people separate and to give, to give men who do not have as much power as the, as the 12 fathers, some perception that they do have power and they yes. can work on, they can work on controlling and policing women and not pay attention to what these guys are doing. Everybody yep. knows, everybody knows that this isn't right. Like, yeah. There isn't any pretext that what they're doing is correct. It's it's all about greed and it's all about power. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, kind of going on more about the the system being broken inherently and that being yes. part of the that's that's part of the design. It's not a mistake. Um, yeah. I did think it was weird. So right after right after um, Mrs. Collins is is killed, mm -hmm. they. Uh, Cam is taken into custody and put in solitary confine confinement where she um, becomes dehydrated, isn't fed, can't doesn't yeah. see people for days. And yeah. the the first um, hint that anyone is even thinking about letting her go is the uh, hologram uh, OS comes to her. Um, and it should be, it's important to mention this person is, or this, this thing. This thing. Yeah. And they call it basically a thing and they say that they use it because nobody likes it. None I don't. Do. Yeah. None of the women do. I really wish that she had a name. 
It drives me actually yeah. a little bit batty that she doesn't have a name in the in the uh, in the book, but that's okay. Um, I kind of want to just call her mother after uh, we did our alien podcast. Mother. You know, um, yeah, she could be mother. She is kind of yeah. like mother. Um, she kind of is. She's kind of the counterpart to the father because no woman existing can actually be a counterpart to the father. So instead, they made this um, caricature of womanhood. Yeah, but she's like two and a half stories tall. Right, mm-hmm. she's she's like she's like she's giant. She's like somewhere in the like thirty foot range, I would say, based on based on how big she is compared to the other people. And she's in this room, and you realize that the solitary confinement cell is this is a white room that's just full of monitors. And yeah. she what she wants Cam to do is admit that she killed Mrs. Collins. So it's sort of like a it's it's a brainwashy scene where she's just you know saying why did you do it why would you kill her she was she was a mother she was a she was a good person why would you do yeah. that um and in the background all of these monitors are showing scenes of uh mrs collins life one assumes it's definitely her um yeah. back on earth and the things they show are really weird <laughs> she um there's lots of pictures of her with her with babies um, there's a really gross picture of her, like, eating a meatball. It's, like, just her mouth, and it's, like, wide open, and she's, like, cramming this, like, ball in her mouth. It's very, it's very oh grotesque. My God. Yeah, I'm literally looking at that now. That is a horrifying image. Yep. And then there are no. two shots where she's, where she's having sex, and they're, like, they're, like, pornography shots. Like, it's, like, yeah. it's, like, um, it's, like, what, what sex is in like terrible movies it's not it's not sex that women enjoy really right. in she real looks life. like a prop in it yes. um yes not an engaged person but like might as well be um asleep or you know dead or not a person or a hand or as, as samantha b says literally i a uh, ziploc bag full of vaseline <laughs> oh god Can't, so yeah super creepy you're right that's and i honestly didn't notice that the first time so we That's the whole go. point of this podcast. I know. We enrich each other's feelings of it. Yeah. That's why there's two of us. So that if we ever so that if we ever thought about um, stealing a big bag of money from outrageous mechanisms, one of us would stop the other. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway. So what do you what do you think about uh I do want any takes you have on that uh the OS system, the operating system that they run. Oh, I would love to. Let me get to that point in my notes. Hold on. So consistently in this book, and I thought this was really interesting, is um, so the Twelve Fathers basically run everything. Yes. But you see you see sort of envoys from them, right? It's like yes. they're messaging to the pu- public in general, and they are almost always delivered by a woman. So, and they're like kind of identical, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely there are two that, are, that immediately come to mind that are basically identical. But what's really weird, so the book actually starts when, when you see those women floating around in goo. The first scene is actually um, a woman kind of rushing through a busy um, metro area, right? And she's, she's saying, oh, excuse me, excuse me. And she's like late. And what, they're, what she's late for is recording a welcome message, is to get to a sound booth to record a welcome message um, telling the recent uh, inductees to Bitch Planet, why they're there. And basically she says, like, you are not, you are not important to society anymore. You've sinned against us. You've sinned against your mother, which is Earth. And now we are sending you to Bitch Planet. May God have mercy on your souls. 
So she's like the first kind of envoy. And then the OS is, of course, the largest envoy. And she's yeah. completely, explicitly run by by men, right? Like yeah. she's her, her whatever programs and um, protocols she's running are run by those two guys in the booth, right? And she's she's sort of larger than life and just grotesque in every way. Her face is like is just so cartoonishly awful. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's got and her outfit. Like she has these giant like tits and it looks like basically a shitty superhero costume almost, you know? Yeah. Um, and so she, yeah, she's wearing sort of this like corset bustier thing and basically a pair of like bikini cut underpants and um, thigh high boots. And that mm-hmm. always remains. She does a couple different, they run a couple different protocols on her. And basically what happens is what's on her head, which I thought was really funny. It's yeah. kind of a, it's kind of a village people approach to costuming. You just, <laughs> yeah, you just change your hat and then you're something, <laughs> then you're something different. That's actually quite yeah. unfair to the village people. They mostly very much committed to costumes, but. No, for sure. But it was, a, but it was still funny. It was Thank still you. hilarious to me. Thank so, you. and by, Thank to you. me, I mean, everyone, you know. Um, well, what's interesting, I just realized mm. just real quick uh the woman who like is coming into the recording session uh is a woman of color and mm-hmm. i almost wonder if like it's supposed to have always been like that hologram's voice you know because like we we transition from just this disembodied voice to this hologram being the one who's talking to them and i just wondered if they literally take the voice of this woman and um appropriate it into the mouth of this os system anyway that would be interesting, but yeah. but basically my read, and then later that we see um, we see a news anchor, um, and then yes. a couple of cheerleader types, like kind of over the top cheerleader types, are brought in to explain um, the sports ball game they play. Um, yes, and sports ball, sports ball, and all of these women are almost are, all have kind of like connecting threads between them. I would say visually, mm-hmm. definitely that the news anchor really looks like the iOS, which is sort of interesting. Yeah. But I think the whole point is that um, it, it pokes fun at the like, we have one too. Like where, you know, the Fox News is like, look, we have an impossibly fit blonde woman who says that all you bitches be crazy. So yeah. clearly you are. And I think it's 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 just it's another place where you have... Um, and the iOS is the ultimate version of that, where you have yeah. these sort of stuffed bodies. They're not even really people, and yet yeah. they're supposed to—they're they, supposed to be able to get to the women more than anybody else because they're also a woman. So if they don't well, get no, there, yeah. Then... I love what you said about being like supposed to be this perfect, like because it is supposed to be perfect in the eyes of like the fathers, which is a phrase that comes up later. But like, I think that's why she looks so grotesque. I think that's why all the women hate her. Is it like? that's not what we look like. And that's kind of the whole society is like, that's not who we are, but it's who you're literally making us to be when you program and create one of us, you know? Yeah, definitely, definitely for the viewer, it's supposed to make you recoil at what we think the, the feminine form should be and be grossed out by it. Um, but I'm not even sure, like, maybe that's also, but maybe that's also by design. Maybe the fathers are like, let's know. make her so, because she is quite frightening. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, she's, she's kind of grotesque. But, like, I think because of the news anchors and stuff, I genuinely feel like it's supposed to be about how, like, what the fathers want is unattainable. I obviously am just 
speculating and projecting and have well the authorial intent is not something that i let hold me back when i am making criticism <laughs> i don't know what they were intending but what i saw was you know so absolutely whatever. absolutely and that's the joy of satire right yes, like indeed how much how much are the characters that are perpetuating the farce in on the joke yes and it's a, a push-pull yeah um, absolutely so, um, <clears throat> I'm so sorry. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about some other places. We talked uh, a lot about uh, the first issue and some about um, the second. Uh, but uh, the way that the story progresses, a little bit of plot. Um, Whitney, a southern white woman who uh, is able to be on the ground and talking to them. And I kind of... She's kind of like uh, a subordinate, but she definitely enables like a lot of terrible prison atrocities. Like every time she shows up, she's a villain. You know what I mean? Like she's a yeah. villain. Well, you get the sense and, you get the sense that she's like of the guards, which yes. are militaristic. She's top brass. Like yes. she's they're all their bosses, and she's all the guards wear these kind of plastic visors over their faces that make them mm-hmm. basically faceless. Uh, yeah, but it's really cool but she doesn't wear a mask so yeah. her face is bare and i think um she wasn't even in my part but that's she's definitely another one of those like women as tools for the patriarchy yes. where she doesn't have to wear a mask because they can gaze upon her face and they see themselves in her so that is torture absolutely. enough right yeah they wouldn't yeah. hurt their own kind right so. no absolutely and that's the thing she like by being you know um I live in the South and I'm a white woman. So by being this like Southern white woman, like it is, um, it, I don't know. I just feel like it drives home this, uh, outsider insider. Like the fact that like you can like ignore terrible atrocities, um, because you're just able to. When he wants uh, Cam to um, set up a team of women who can fight and participate in sports cabal or, uh, Dumilla slash Megaton. It seems like Megaton is what uh, you say when you are a lower class person, and Dumilla is like the term that uh, the fathers use. But we don't we don't see it actually happen. We just uh, we're hearing about it, and um, yeah, they do that a lot. Doesn't... There's like a there's definitely like a language thing, right? So anytime the yeah. fathers the fathers never call it bitch planet. They always call yeah. it the auxiliary compliance outpost or uh aco but yeah. everybody else everybody else everybody and else even calls one it. of the fathers like while laughing about like laughing right. at another male who is not a father and therefore a subordinate finds out he's in charge of this auxiliary uh what are they called again i'm sorry aco Aux- uh yes auxiliary uh, compliance outpost so one of the fathers is kind of uh mocking the man who runs uh this auxiliary uh compliance outpost uh and says, like, kind of under his breath, <laughs> bitch planet. So, like, they they feel like they get to uh, reap the benefits of of the inside joke. But they also, like, want it all, all the language dressed up, you know? It's about right. compliance. It's not like, we don't just think you're bitches. But, I mean, clearly. Clearly <laughs> they do. Clearly they so, do. you know, Cam... Kim decides to participate because one of, um, we're seeing this amazing spread where in the background, like, there's a, a guard fight happening with, uh, prison inmates, and you see, like, 
it's growing as a uh, cam stays stationary running on a treadmill. This was one of my favorite. This is my favorite thing. That, this is my favorite visual thing that they do in the entire book. I think that this yeah, is amazing. Yeah. Um, I I like the art. I certainly like the artwork that's in the book. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes there are jumps where I don't get it. Like some, I find some of the the um, the panel shifts between the two of them quite confusing. Which yeah, you kind of there are parts where you have to like look at it a couple times, right? Which you know might be intentional. I yeah. I was I, you know I proudly will say I'm not I'm not the most knowledgeable about comic books ever, but I've I've read comic books. I I come on, I had an account yeah. at a comic store. I'm cool, but so I feel like I feel I'm like down. right. So I feel like I am a a you know at least average, if not slightly better than average, um, comic book reader. You know, and there are times where I, f- I kind of feel like I'm like, maybe, you know, that transition needs to be smoothed out. This is not one of them. I think this yeah. is an amazing scene. Basically, what's happening is um, Cam is running on this giant treadmill that's sort of like if you just lined up like uh, a football field's worth of uh, moving walkways. And so yes. she's just like running endlessly, and in the background you see images of the iOS, the the OS in yeah, this, yeah, that grotesque woman <laughs> doing these exercises perfectly. Yeah, and dressed up like kind of like Jane Fonda, <laughs> like she's yes. like like you never see her from the back, but you know she's wearing a thong. Like there's yeah. no question that that's the For case. Sure. And she's like you know using like three pound weights and waving them around. So Cam's having a conversation with another character uh, that we come to know and love called Mako, and um, she's telling Cam. You know, who cares? Who cares if this is a setup? Who cares if um, if, you know, this is designed to make us look foolish? We should we should play this game and we should show something about the women that are here, basically. Mm -hmm. And they're having this conversation and they're running side by side. And in the background, you just see this like fantastically like growing melee, (laughs) like just people like leaping through the air and the fight is getting more and more intense um backdropped with this person who's like being fit is fun it was amazing i love it no it's it's perfect it really is incredible and it like starts literally with just like someone like pauses working out penny who we'll meet later pauses working out for a second and like oh she falls off by some guards she falls off the treadmill right so she's yeah. initially running with Cam, and then she gets yeah. winded, and she stops, and she, like, kind of rolls off the back of the treadmill, and the guard's like, get back up there, and she's not taking, she's not having it, and yeah, it leads Yeah, because Penny's to- a bad bitch, and we'll, you know, see more of that later. Yes. Let's get to talking about Penny. I love her. Oh my god, most. yeah, I would love that. I would love that, because... So, yeah, anyway, Mako uh, helped design the ship, and it, you know, this could be an end. This is our, it's our glimmer of hope for the first time in this series that uh, maybe some real radical change can be affected uh, through an act of terrorism, technically. But uh, let's, let, let's be honest, that society seems like it sucks. I don't know. I'm not advocating for terrorism. All right. We're gonna. No one thinks I'm you on, are. You're good. I'm on a list right now, I'm sure. Anyway, so. <laughs> if this is, if this is what puts you on the list, you weren't living your life right already. You, you were, were, you were right. always on a list somewhere. I was already on the list. So, uh, in issue number three, we get introduced to Penny, who is this amazing woman of color who is giant and strong and powerful. And even as a little girl, we've seen a flashback. Uh, or a young person. I'm not trying to assign gender. Anyway, uh, their uh, maternal grandmother says, 
you know, you keep working as hard as you do and you'll be as big and strong as an oak, like your daddy. And that is what Penny has become. And it's this amazing moment because the very first uh, spread that you see, Penny kind of breaks the fourth wall because uh, she says, I can't see you, but I feel you judging me. And that last frame where she says judging me, you just, your eye, it's looking right at the reader. And I love that because I did, you know, it's, we are taught to believe in fat shaming. We are taught to like moralize weight and stuff like that. And I feel like that was kind of slapping the reader in the face about like being a jackass. Yeah. Um, And you've seen her before. What I love the most about, well, there's a lot that I love about Penny, but what's what's really fun. I think she's the best character. I think we can. Yeah. Yeah. And she's the most, certainly in this book, she's the most fleshed out. We know the most about her. Yeah. It's, she's really the only character that we get like a good sense of of a why of why yeah. she's here and what her life was like back on Earth. Um, but I like her because she is a prison stereotype. She is a giant black person, right? Like she is yeah. Green Mile, <laughs> like that yeah. character, except that she is not afraid of being pissed. She is very angry all the time, and. Yeah. She is not, we don't get any scene where we see her being, like, kind to a mouse or anything like that. No. She's mad, and she's violent, and she should be. <laughs> like, Yeah, no, you only ever see her really being kind to, um, to, uh, the others, uh, around her. Like, yeah, the, she's not, the unki- other she's not unkind, but they but, don't... Yeah, but it's, the, it doesn't temper no. her strength or anything. It, no. it just, um... It shows her loyalties, but yeah, she she's, she's not pure a power. She's not a tool in the same way. It's like, well, she's a big black person, but she wouldn't hurt a fly. She will hurt a fly. She absolutely yeah. will hurt a fly. <laughs> she's not afraid of her own power and her own anger and identifying directly the the unfair, horrible situations that befall her in life. And that is awesome. Yeah. Well, and it starts, she's in a happy family and it, she's a, like adopted by the state. And by that, I mean like forcibly stolen by the state. And I'm not sure if it was because like she's biracial, like both of her parents were arrested at that point. Um, yeah. I think, anyway, I think it's fair to assume that um, she's, well, she's biracial. Yes. It's fair to assume, I think, that her mother is black and her father is white. We see her father yes. later and he he is white. Or at least appears to be white, um, yes. and we meet her grandmother, who appears to be black. So I think yes. I think that's what happens. So she's taken away, and she lives with her grandmother for a while, um, yeah. which I actually kind of thought was cool too. I'm glad it reminded me of um, it reminded me a lot of the uh, kind of like concepts of like one drop um, and and that like the one drop rule yes. where if you are at all black, you're completely black. So. Yeah. You know, in this society where we can't have we can't have people uh, mixing mixing the the races together, you have um, and when you refer to anyone who's a person of color as skins as skins, is, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. If you have a, a biracial child, that should be something that you feel the need to solve. If you truly believe that mixing the races is an abomination, then that's I mean like. They should do something for with her, right? Like, yeah. like 
surely she should be executed or something equally horrible. But instead, they're like, man, she can go live with her black grandma because who really cares, right? Like, they're black, so it's fine. I don't know. It was a weird. Yeah. It was a. It was a, a weird thing. So you get introduced to to Penny when she is a child living with her grandma, and they are making muffins. And yeah. um, Penny leans down to taste some of the muffins, and she gets some of the the batter in her hair. And her grandma's kind of teasing her and laughing about it. And they get into a food fight in their kitchen. Like fine, like normal. This is this yeah, is super normal. cute, sweet, loving yeah. environment. Yeah, absolutely. Although when I watched it, I was like, "Man, if my kid ever throws that much batter at me, I'm gonna be mad." <laughs> like, I'm like who's well, gonna clean this? Also encouraging it. Yeah, know? no, no, no. Her grandma. No, I mean, same. Yeah, same, same. Her grandma. Her grandma is into this tomfoolery for yeah. sure. Like it's, it's for sure. It's They're sweet all and cute. Joke. And it's, it's the cutest. And then these uh, men with guns show up, and she literally, the last thing we see her say to her, uh, Penny is run. Yeah. Which we know she's not successful. And so the whole frame of this issue, issue number three, which I think might be the best of this book that we're talking about. They're all good. But um, this is the best one. Yeah, it's Penny talking to the fathers. This is where we see that there seems to be 12 fathers. And they're talking to her and saying things they, like they name all of her, um, all of her sins. Uh, she's 22 and she, uh, is at bitch plant for insubordination, assault, 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 repeated citations for aesthetic offenses, hilarious, capillary disfigurement and dot, dot, dot in bold, wanton obesity, good God woman. And I just... Yeah, I think I think because... the I think the way to read it is wanton and wanton obesity. Good God, woman! Like... No, I mean of course that's what yeah. I, but it's just so. I mean, it's so funny because they follow it up with this whole and again paternalistic. Leave it to Beaver, um, <laughs> Penelope. Your fathers love you. It pains us to see you like this. All I want is to help you. And and then they say like after that they're like all we want is for you to be happy. And it's this idea that like. Ah, uh, that that they really are just trying to like help and not you know. It's like, father. It's you. father's no best. Like that's, yes, that's it is. It is literally. Well, and so this issue gathers like literally digs into a lot of really cool things. Um, a lot of cool commentaries. Something that I loved that you see almost instantly when the fathers are talking to Penny is this. It's kind of a reference on academic gatekeeping. Um, which the people who. Cr- <clears throat> I'm not judging you if you have occasionally corrected someone's grammar, but grammar, a lot of those rules are just created so that one set of people will have the keys to the kingdom because they've decided what's correct and what's not, you know? Well, and so this is. And it's sort of like, well, grammar is a real thing because we've yes. invented it. It's rules, right? And we've invented yeah. these rules. Why, why then, if it's so important? If you if you can't express if you cannot be understood um, if you do not have impeccable grammar, mm-hmm. why on earth do we not pour boatloads of money into schools to teach children how to speak correctly? Quote unquote. No, for sure. Well, right? correct, but but the whole problem is this idea of like 
what is correct speech and like and that's kind of what yeah no it's it's an identifier it's a verbal cue yes. to recognize one's own so we intentionally we intentionally use this to separate and distinguish people oh like yeah. i can't tell you i mean like the, just kind of this prevailing idea that like oh if you ever wanted a job at a bank you need to have an expensive suit when you go to that interview and you need to speak correctly you know yeah no, absolutely. that's absurd. <laughs> what no, does that have totally to do with is. anything? Like, right? No, so totally. it's, it's just trick trick people as much as possible into thinking that you are the standard issue, which in America is white people, white middle class people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so when the father's talking to Penny, like one of them says, are you familiar with cerebral action potential integration <laughs> and extrapolation matrix, which is word soup, you know? Like, yeah, so it means She nothing. says, obviously, no. And the guy's like, well, of course not. And then he starts to, like, try to, like, dumb it down and, like, talk about it, like, in a way that's clear. My dumb it down, I mean, I don't know, speak in real words, but he calls algorithms, like, algorithm, algorithm al griffins which uh remind me of hippogriffs because he knows <laughs> anyone like uh it's an algorithm dude and ultimately say is simple uh they're hooking up to a device that will help you visualize externally what she believes her ideal self to be it looks like a mirror and it reminded me of the mirror of arist or whatever desire backwards you know Harry oh Potter, yeah saying. yeah yeah we're like stare into this mirror and you see what you want to see. Um, but uh, I just, I loved that moment where like this guy's like, of course you don't know these words I've made up. Well, they're based on this thing called Al Griffins. And you're just like, you're, you're, you're the problem. You're the jackass. And we already know that they're the problem. But uh, they also talk a lot about race in this issue because we get to see Penny running uh, her own or their own business. And, there's this white dude sitting in there uh, who is pulling on uh, the same kind of racism that uh, is that our racism is rooted in, uh, which is where you compare blackness to something less than human, something animalistic, like refers to as being like a baboon. And it's just, ugh, it's just awful. It's, it's all, it's worse. It's worse than that. Even like, no, basically, I mean, it's, basically yeah. I, what Penny's whole story for the most part, is that she is a woman in this world that dares to be fat. Yeah. We see her later assault a man with a rolling pin, who super deserved it. But, right, like, like in, we, we would believe that someone who did something like that should be punished in some way. That's the law of man, right? Yeah. But actually, the thing that seems to bother the, the fathers the most about Penny is that she refuses to not be fat. Yeah, no, exactly. That is like we, that is, we talk about assault a couple times, but it's that is chief, obesity. That is chief among her crimes, and yeah. they shame her for 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 it basically the entire time. You you see Penny from the very start. Um, yeah. You see her completely naked, floating in the skew, and um, there's they later on talk about how they they uh, artist Delandra talks about how in this in this book he had to learn how to draw women. In a way that was not um, sexual, because yeah, which I think he succeeds really well. I think so too. I, I think so too. But he talks about how, like, as an artist, even even an artist that is not trying to do anything hurtful to anybody else, you have bad habits where you're just so used to, 
you know, drawing women a certain way. And it's always about the male gaze. And I kind of feel like the most male gazey it gets is actually that first scene where we see the women naked and goo. That's like the most lurid. Most of the women are like very crotch forward. Yeah. And and or the angles are like, yeah. Yeah. And as as a as a woman who as a woman who is overweight and myself and also a woman who sees lots of other women in locker rooms of all shapes, shapes and sizes, Penny no one looks like Penny in this scene. Yeah. Like her yeah. immenseness is is cartoonish. And then and then over time she kind of you see you see her body more and you see that she is like what you would ex- she's a normal looking person, right? Yeah. But when she And she's full of muscle and yeah. strength. No, it, there's nothing, there is absolutely nothing wrong with being fat. And yeah. she, and there's nothing wrong with her. Um, yeah. Except that she's put in a situation where she sometimes needs to smack a bitch in the mouth with a rolling pin. Well, yeah, she's put into a world where <laughs> yeah. literally, I think I would have been one of the earliest to go because I think I would have probably gone a little bit mad and uh, done a little bit of murder and been taken out. And you know what? I'm I'm saying all that, and I feel like if you lived in this world, that might be the exact right thing to do. I don't yeah. know. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kate is sounding like a misandrist right now, and that's not what I'm going for. But I think you should go for it. Um, I mean, right? <laughs> I think you should. Um, but well, and so I be I'm not to skip to the end of this uh, issue, but we're talking about um, about Penny's body, and and there's there there's this moment where she's being told by. Uh, her teacher that um like first she places like her black hair like it's like what are we going to do with this hair of yours um but she says to her you need to learn to see yourself through the father's eyes um and i will teach you penny if it kills me if it kills us both it's so important to support and conform to the male gaze that it's worth like murdering or dying over and Yep. And so, like, when, when we're talking about Penny's body, like, they are all disgusted by her. And so, at the end, when they're running this, like, uh, mirror program, you see that Penny's idealized self is Penny. And they're so horrified and disgusted that she could love herself. Like, that that seems to be the worst thing that they could imagine. Worse than, like, assault. Worse than murdering anyone. Worse than even being fat is loving your body. And... She just laughs, like yeah. laughs with so much like glee that she has survived this, that she is still her. It's amazing. She's amazing. She's literally the best. She's the best. Um, you know this too, because when she arrives on Bitch Planet they, and they give her a uniform, she says it's not going to fit. And she makes like she makes fun of how small it is. She's like, where mm-hmm. am I supposed to put my other tit? Like, mm-hmm. this is not even, this didn't even begin yeah, to be big enough. This is literally half of a bra. Like, fuck off. Right. And they, they beat her up. Like, they, like, slam her to the ground. And, and she gets in her, her punches, too. But if you notice, if you notice, in the, um, in, like, f- uh, following frames, it really does only fit one of her boobs. Like, no, yeah, absolutely. They because, wear, like, they all have something she, underneath. She's right. Their uniforms so that you're not just yeah. like, seeing their naked bodies, but, like, literally, it only covers one of her boobs. So the flashbacks we see of Penny, we start with her and having the muffin batter fight with her grandma. And then... Which would be messy, but cute. Super cute. Yeah, I don't want to clean it up, but adorable. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And and 
then um, basically, and that's like the first sign that her being fat is not going to be okay with this world because literally her grandmother is terrified that these police have showed up and they are two fat women who are now covered in food. Like, that is what's frightening in that moment to her. Yeah, it's like the most vulnerable thing that they could actually be in. Like, they're guilty of something. Right. For, I don't know, eating or something. Then, yeah, for for feeding their bodies, you know. Um, And then the next scene, you see her, she's just punched somebody in uh, kind of a school situation. And this teacher comes to her and is like, you know, we need time for you to go in the office. I need to, you know, I need to talk to you about this. Um, and I love, actually, this teacher was also like wild to me. So you see, oh my God, you see a bunch of shots of her uh, kind of head on initially and sort of like belly button up, I would say. And she appears yeah. to be wearing like a coll- like a high all the way button to like the top, very tippy top of her Adam's apple, um, like collared shirt. Yeah. And then she stands up and you realize that it's a halter top. <laughs> I yeah, it's backless, s- and there's, like, a weird gap underneath her collar in between, like, her shirt, like, just it's a little such... window. A triangle of skin, it's, you know? S- I was so, amu- like, just, like, unbelievably amused by the business attire halter top. As a woman who has had to think about what she's going to wear to, like, interviews and even work. I, I work a pretty casual place, but so I can yeah. pretty much wear whatever I want. But there are things where I'm like, oh, I'd never wear that to work. That's too much, you know? The idea that, yes, actually what everyone wants you to wear is a business attire halter top so that you're not you're not prudish but you're still covered you're professional but you're sexy is like the most amazing thing of all time so um so you expect i mean like sure as a hospital uh, hospital as a school administrator if one of my students punched another student that's a problem like you got to deal with that but this woman doesn't really seem bothered by that she's more concerned about the fact that penny is not is not compliant visually to her she doesn't like she doesn't like Penny's mixed hair. It's not it doesn't it doesn't lay down nor does it do what you would expect a black woman's hair to do. It's somewhere in between and that's unacceptable to her. So, she has this scene that's like very creepy where she starts she gets up and she starts to brush. That's when you realize she's wearing the halter top. She gets yeah. up and starts to brush Penny's hair, which as a person with natural with like curly hair, I was like, "You never do that. Get it away. Yeah. Get it away." But so she starts yeah. brushing her hair and you think it's going to be kind and she's kind of you know by now that it's not going to end well. But Yeah. But she kind of, like, soothes her in this moment. It's, like, very maternal and, like, something something you would do for someone you care deeply about. And then she says, well, you know, it's time for your punishment. And yeah. she has she has some sort of item uh, in a drawer next to the hairbrush that is one of two things. I think it's either, either it's a, it's a like, an electric razor and she's going to shave her head. Or... It's um, it's like a hot comb, um, which has historically been used to you put usually you put chemicals, um, in textured hair and then you run a hot comb through it, and yeah. it it breaks the bonds that hold your curls together and that makes it lay down flat. And it was sort of, um, it sort of was one of the first tools that would straighten textured hair, and it's. Yeah. And it's still used today. Um, I, I think that technology has kind of made them better. But certainly in the past, um, and maybe even now, it's quite painful to have your hair hot combed because it's sort of like a straightening iron, except instead there's no guardrail on it. It's just like, it's like if you just 
ran your hair through a straightening iron that didn't have a back on it, right? Yeah. So you yeah. burn. So either, either I think she's going to shave Penny's head or she's going to burn the ever living hell out of Penny with this with this hot comb. Is my I kind of feel like she's burning the hell out of Penny. I feel like uh, shaving her head was a uh, was Penny's choice, but it ends on this like that flashback ends with this frame of you see just like Penny with her eyes closed, like looking down, like resigned and. You see the shadow of this woman over her, like holding up this uh, this tool that's probably, you know, hot comb, uh, like she is um, the murder in Psycho. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, it's very sinister. It is it's, very sinister. It, yeah. So I don't want to get too freshman year of college on you, but I am going to. So sure. I thought about Penny's name a little yeah. bit. So Penny. Penny is named literally after the smallest form of currency that we have. And mm-hmm. it's currency that is so undervalued that we like, we'll just kind of throw it away. <laughs> oh, yeah. Know? You won't stop and pick it up on the street. Yep. And um, Penelope, which I, I thought about this because of the ha- halter top. Um, and this might not, this might not mean anything, but the name. Pen- but the real intent doesn't matter. So it does. doesn't matter. But the name Penelope itself means white shoulder. Which is strange, which is strange meaning for a name, but it is what it means. And I think it's it's kind of interesting that that is her name in this, that she's like this kind of this piece, this body part that's sort of sexualized and it's it's uh, it's explicitly white, but she is explicitly black and she has fat shoulders because she's a fat woman. You know, like that you get the sense that Penelope is supposed to be this like white, beautiful woman and she's not. And that's it. So instead, yeah. they they undervalue her. They put her down to the lowest form of currency we've got because that's what people are on this planet, uh, on this world. They're just they're just to be bought and sold, and yeah. she's not worth very much. Yeah, she's she's worth the muffins that she's able to make. Um, oh my god, let's true. get to that scene. Yeah, yeah. The the uh, the final like big kind of flashback of, of Penny in uh, the real world uh, before being you know abducted by the fathers again. Uh, she's working at uh, uh, her bakery called Born Bake, and oh, Mary, do you want to set the scene? This is just such a there's there's a there's a lot to unpack here. Yeah. So she's kind of working, um, she's working in an industrial baking kitchen, um, that like has a counter and, and it's her, it's her cafe. We assume it's her cafe because she has board, the board big, uh, emblem, which sort of has sort of tribal elements and then two elephants sort of like celebratorily, um, throwing their trunks up in the air, yeah. <laughs> um, tattooed on her yeah. arm. We see that when she first comes to Bitch Planet. Um, yeah. so we think this is her place, which is actually very impressive. Um, in this, certainly in this world, it's very impressive. Well, that she's so strong that like, even though she's been like, just minimized and like taken down so many times, she's still like, even if it's state sponsored, like is able to run her own business and have like a place in the society, like just shows her resilience. Right. So it's, it's opening. She just opened her shop and the, she's wiping the condensation off the glass um, in front of her muffins because, you know, it's steamy in her kitchen. And she wipes it off. And this guy slaps his hand and his face onto the glass and says, we need the feed! Which... 
It's a hilarious <laughs> and terrible phrase. And she, he speaks to her really condescending way. He says, um, "You need to turn on the feed," which is a, which is basically like a, a news morning program. But he says, "7 a.m. It's time for you to turn on. You can't keep people waiting." And this is like the first time. I mean, it's sort of fed throughout, right? Like everyone's watching these televised, um, not football events, um, <laughs> right? And they're they and. They're starting to they're starting to kind of bottom out number wise. So you find out that that's why the fathers want bitch, the Bitch Planet team to compete because they think that people are going to want to watch these crazy prison ladies um, fight the the best and the brightest of of you know American manhood for on yeah. on, the, on this on this field. Um, and they're probably right because after all, we all shelled out money for this book. So yeah. I think that that's a pretty good gamble. And you start to get some sense from this guy that there might be some sort of state regulated rules around watching things and consuming yeah. media and watching each other. Um, you get the sense that if she hadn't turned on, the, that not turning on the feed was kind of breaking the rules. She's supposed to keep it on. And he yeah. says he says the most amazing thing, which is, um, someone else, the woman who rolls her eyes at him in line is sort of like, ugh. She's like, well, can't, you know, can't you just, like, watch it on your own screen? And he says, private screens don't build community, which <laughs> is amazing. Well, right. No, for sure. Which is why, like, of course she rolled her eyes on that. That is, like, the douchiest thing to say. And then he's like, did you just roll your eyes at me? And she looks scared and has to say no. And it's like, ugh. Yep. And then Penny is like, here's a free muffin. Thank you for reminding me. Because she has to figure out how to be compliant in this world. And this guy's like, the like he threatens her. He's like, you know, this is the second morning in a row that you're late. You know, it's lucky these are good or I talked to your old man. And she's like, oh, well, there's no old man. I'm state-sponsored. He's like, pauses for a second and then is like, well, all the more reason. To be on like, the ball. Yeah. Uh, I would also like to point out, this man is fat. It no, is yeah, not, it is sure. not, which I say in a completely unjudgmental way because he should be allowed to be fat, but sure. nobody, nobody at all feels the need to talk to him about it. It's totally yeah. fine. Let's talk about uh, the other um, customers. Like the, we hear yep. a woman ordering a sugar-free, salt-free, gluten-free muffin and three plates to split. They're like... doing, they're doing this thing that you see women do all the time in restaurants, which is attempt to uh, not... Attempt to defray the calorie load of their food by splitting it amongst themselves mm -hmm. and then talking about food, about their food and how little they eat. And but because because it's like totally, uh, totally to because this is this is a because this is bitch planet, yeah. they take it a step further where they reveal that um, that they are are so ha they are are jealous of each other's um bowels because shitting out and weighing less is so important and it particularly is so important in that moment because everybody's toilet has a scale on it. Yeah, no, it's crazy. I evacuated uh 12 ounces two days in a row. And like and it's it's really funny because, you know, we Amy Schumer did a bit about this, women being bad at receiving compliments. The only way that they're able to compliment each other is by telling uh, the other what they envy about them and therefore hate about themselves. Like, <laughs> I envy your bowels. I trade them for your hair. And it's just like, 
Blech. And like all throughout this, you see Penny in the background and she's just getting angrier and angrier listening to this world that she has to be a part of. Like she's beating the crap out of her batter. She's beating the crap out of her batter as like this guy talks about. Um, yeah. Who the who the, the fat guy who is being obnoxious in line is meeting. Yeah. Who is watching it on a private screen. So let's be honest. Like it was at his table. That guy's just the biggest dick in the world. Um, <laughs> sorry. No, he's not. Because his friend. His friend is actually the biggest dick in the world. His friend is actually the biggest dick in the world. And is like, you ever fuck a skin wild? And that is a dark quote, which is why I said that word. Yeah, no, um, no, you're good. But I mean, it's well, just like the way that's, that's ba- like, We've heard women talked about, like, we're objects and not humans, but, like, the way that they're talking about, like, a woman of color, just, like, that, they say other things before that, it's just, like, but that one sentence just, she just instantly, like, looks angry, like, she's already been irritated, but that's when she starts, like, actually wailing on her muffin batter, which, fair! Yeah. And, like, she hears these women, like, talking about how they are jealous of each other's bowels, and she's punching harder, you hear this guy, like, goes back to that same guy, and he says the phrase, like a baboon, and she's just so furious. And so finally, um, just like that oxygen show, she snapped. <laughs> da, da, da. And by snapped, I mean, did something really reasonable and was like, everyone needs to get the hell out of here right now. And, like, smashes the screen with a rolling pen. Uh, and she smashes uh, that guy's face. Uh, and his his chubby friend, who's been such, like, a prick this whole time, and this is just when she's just broken, like, her own screen. Like, that's all she's done is broken her screen and said, get out. And he says, I, I'm calling the cops on you. Your life is over. And, like, that just the way that he so easily and dismissively wants to just ruin her life because like what she broke a screen her own establishment and told her you to leave is just crazy to me you know like it just it drives home just how morally bankrupt uh these people are and she smashes that guy in the face who was saying all those racist things and just says i didn't much like this life anyway because penny is the baddest um we also are maybe led to believe that her father is what the news anchor is reporting on so you kind of get these little clips in between um and the news anchor is pink basically (laughs) like yeah no absolutely she looks like her hair is pink her skin is pink her clothes are pink she looks like the um she absolutely looks like the uh uh, OS, OS system, um, but a little bit, a little bit more less normal. Grotesque, but she's more normal. But still. she's, she's kind of Barbie-ish, I would say. Yeah, um, yeah, she, yeah. Normal being like she still looks like um, the most basic model. You know right. what I mean? She looks like an idealized form of of female beauty that most people would recognize as being that yeah. way, right? And which almost makes me wonder if she's real. <laughs> I'll be totally honest. Yeah. Um, no, absolutely. I wonder if any of those women there allowed, like, those kinds of positions, if they're actually really humans, um, or if they're... Anyway. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and he's, uh, accused of, um, uh, miscegenation? Yes. Can't, can't pronounce words right now. And, uh, he, and he's a he's, gender he's traitor. Crime. Yeah, a gender traitor. I wondered if that meant that he was gay, because, like, they reference The Handmaid's Tale in other places, and that's what they call uh, gay people. That's what they call gay people, too. I don't know. I mean, he might be. Um, but 
they make it seems like um it might also just be that he was non-compliant and therefore is a traitor to his gender yeah it's possible. yeah no absolutely oh oh my god that makes all the sense the idea that like he supported women around him would make him a gender traitor yeah i so like he's that like, he, yeah that, that read makes more sense because i got as a queer woman, I got really caught up on the possible queerness there. I was like, wait, really? Yeah. But they, they say she she takes notice, however. She basically has kind of been ignoring it except to smash the screen. She's more She seems more irritated by the people around her. You don't necessarily yeah. know that she's reacting to what's happening on the screen until um, they have a callback to what her grandmother said and said that he was described as the size of an oak. And she, yeah. she kind of, she has an emotional, emotional moment. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's when she's ripped back into her present reality, which is where she is, uh, being, uh, watched by the fathers. The 12. And, yeah. And they're trying to, uh, hook her up to this mirror. And you see this disembodied, it, it, you know, thought bubble. It's clearly like her internal dialogue. She's thinking. She said, "I wish you could see me," and I really think that's about uh, her parents, um, or it's about the father because she says, "The way I see myself," and then they do, and she sees herself exactly the way that she is, and she laughs and laughs and says, "If it ain't broke, don't fix it." I am broke and you bastards ain't never going to break me. And it's the most triumphant moment. I think of this entire book. It's a, it's um, a definitely a bright spot. Otherwise yeah. it's pretty dark and a very dark narrative. So I, I guess it's time to move on from Penny and do a little bit of talking about, uh, the next issue, which I feel like really is where they start taking on the, uh, exploitation narrative by having like, creepy shower scenes and stuff. Um, so I don't, it's a tongue in cheek shower scene where like they do a good job of like using other panels to cover, um, cover up parts of women that like, they don't want to just like overly sensationalize. And they cover it with, um, the eye of uh, a prison guard who is, uh, being a peeping Tom and watching them. So instead of like, seeing these women's bodies in that moment you're seeing uh you're seeing the male gaze evaluate those bodies yeah which is this pretty next, cool this next next issue is very much like plays on all of those prison movie tropes yeah. um at the beginning you see cam uh she's been asked to put together her uh her team for this for um oh man what is it called mega mega ball what uh megaton so she has to put together a team for megaton and um, the prison librarian comes around, who's kind of this one of kind of a wan looking creature. Um, and she's got she asks her if she wants a Bible and she says, no, I do not. <laughs> I'm good. And she's yeah. like, no, you really want this Bible. Take it. It was meant for you. Um, yeah. And uh, and she says, I'm not, I, you know, and Cam says, I'm not I don't believe in God. And she says, no, you like stories, right? Everyone's like stories. This is our story. And yeah. The, and the good news is it all works out in the end. And of course, this is a this is a way of getting um, of getting information that's being passed between these women that they're they're transporting these little slips of paper for um, clandestine meetings uh, around yeah. in Bibles, which 
you know, like files and birthday cakes, everything. It's 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 everything. Um, so the obligatory shower scene, it's labeled as such. This is the woman at the most terrifying. It starts with the, uh, the OS telling people that cleanliness is next to godliness and you have to take care of your body by keeping it clean. And, uh, if you've ever seen the movie Brazil, um, the scene Mm -hmm. where, um, you see the protagonist's mother who's preparing for plastic surgery and she's got those like big cartoonish cheeks that are getting pulled back with like binder clips. That's what this Mm -hmm. looks like. Yeah. Um, no, that's... Yes. Yes. Creepy. So so yeah. Cam seeks out um, the woman in the shower who wanted to talk to her and got in contact with her uh, via the Bible. Well, I mean, it's just... It's a scene where uh, they're, they're basically warning her that any list that she comes up with is actually just going to be a hit list. And simultaneously... And, there's, and they're saying that there are no secrets. Like, you can't get away with anything here. Uh, while well, they're, um, sexually engaging with each other. And Cam's like, well, what about you all? Like, you all are engaging in something. And they let her in on the fact that there is, like, a, a peeping Tom prison guard that they are gratifying. And therefore, they get to have, like, one tiny space that's their own. But it's not their own. It's, uh, it's still, it's only allowed to exist in this world because it is pleasing to the male gaze. It's prioritizing that. Right. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious. I want to kind of dig into this. I, I understand the scene, but I don't, I don't dig it. I don't I really don't dig it either. Actually, I, don't, I, I felt don't like this it. issue was actually my least favorite. I think. I think so too. I didn't care for it. So basically, the idea is that the little wan creature who came to Cam with the Bible, um, is is hooking up with her girlfriend Fanny in the shower, and. Yeah. They they kind of they suggest to Cam that she should join them, and Cam's like, "Oh no, I'm not. Nope, I'm that's not my thing." And um, and Fanny, uh, who has an like kind of a, a space age eye patch, and yeah, and this great big mane of of orange hair, says, "No, no, you just need to pretend because there aren't any cameras in the shower, and this is the only way we can talk." So. Yeah. It felt it felt sort of like a pullback to me. I don't know, like, and you don't, and it's. I would say it's not really exploitive. They go out of their way not to show anything, but I feel like that's almost more exploitive, if it yeah. makes sense. Like, it does seem to me. I, I think we can glean from this that Fanny and um and the Bible girl are actually a couple and are actually in love with each other. Yeah. Or, or at least are like or in at a, least a sexual in lust with each other. Yeah, in a sexual relationship with each other. Right? Like the, yeah. they are they are each other's girlfriends, right? Yeah. But they make it seem and and clearly Cam like does come over and they're like caressing her and kissing on her because yeah. they can talk to her about this. But that's when it kind of like pulls away. And I don't know. I didn't dig it. I felt like, no. I felt like there would have been, it felt sort of, it, it felt like it didn't really know what to do with lesbians, so it didn't deal with them. Oh, totally. Oh, no, totally. It doesn't make any freaking sense. Like, um, in terms of, we don't really spend a lot of time with these characters ever again. It's just, like, added there to be like, well, it's a prison, there's gonna be a lesbian couple. Like, it, yeah, it was kind of a bummer. I'm, I, I love queer representation. I just would like to assume that a lot of the women here would rather have sex with women than dudes. I feel like it would be hard to want to date dudes in that society. Yeah. I know so I'm biased, have, but, you know. 
I have, I mean, this, and this is like a failure because the whole point is to be able to express ourselves clearly, but I have, I have problems totally putting my finger on why this bothers me. And I guess the reason it bothers me as a heterosexual woman is it seems like what one would do if one didn't know what, like, I don't, I don't, I am empathetic, but I do not, have not experienced firsthand the experience of being a queer woman, right? Oh, yeah. So it feels sort of like they wanted to do something with this, but they yeah. didn't, they felt out of their elements. So instead of finding a person, a queer woman to be like, hey, let me talk through this with you. Instead, they were like, well, let's just make it not exploitive by making it kind of fake. And also yeah. we don't really show anything. And yeah. And so they just kind of like, they just kind of like moved without, without even thinking about it. And I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't like that. No, I, I totally, I, and I, and I back that up because, um, it's not, it, it is, <clears throat> it's the most throwaway of all the narratives. Like they don't waste a lot of space and time in the series normally. And that didn't make a lot of sense. Like we already know it's kind of a setup, you know what I mean? Like it's anyway. Yeah. Didn't make a ton of sense. Well, I don't, so I don't want to get into all the ish, all the details of the last issue. Um, because you know, spoilers and stuff but what i really do want to talk about so i'm gonna talk around who and what but there's that old joke about what men and women are afraid of men are afraid of women laughing at them and uh women are afraid of men killing them and there's this triumphant moment where we see this amazing character uh you know while while practicing sports cabal uh, laughing as she is winning and as a, like in a reaction to her laughter, the guard, uh, breaks her neck. The line is, ha ha, motherfuckers. And the guard says, keep laughing, little girl, and kills her and says, who's laughing now? Yeah. Um, so just, I feel like that literalization was, um, it, I mean, I should have expected it, but it was still just incredibly poignant. The idea that like, I'm sorry, you were a little bit humiliated. You're in a faceless mask. None of these women know who you are. You already have all the power and you also want our sympathy. Yeah, no, it's a, it's, it's, it's a very sad end to the, the, this first trade. Yeah. And it, and it's kind of like, uh, you know, they had they have this plan. They have this plan where, you know, they're doing well and maybe they can even take down, uh, the patriarchy a little bit when they win. Uh, and their glimmer of hope, uh, is extinguished because a man didn't like her laughing. Like that's literally, so it ends in a dark place, but it goes on in a very interesting way as someone who has, uh, you know, uh, couldn't help herself but do some Googling and try and uh, find a trade while I waited for Amazon to two-day deliver me volume two. Uh, so, <laughs> I, did the same, I did the same thing. Right. <laughs> I did so, order the next book immediately after finishing this. Right, right. Because, I mean, it it is... So, Mary, uh, thoughts? You'd recommend this, right? Of course. So, I think... I honestly... So, what is really strange to me about about this book um is that we for to, to research this topic we or when we knew we wanted to do bitch planet 
Mm-hmm. Um, you and I both went and we read a bunch of interviews and commentary from the two creators. Yes. And yes. most of that commentary, this came out in 2015, 2014? Was it like, yeah. I think, because I think it was like December 2014, like around Christmas, right? Yeah. And yeah. I read a, or I, I read an interview and then I listened to something that kind of echoed. It was almost like a, you know, they're clearly on book tour, so they were almost identical, right? Um, of these creators yeah. talking about it. And they immediately undercut what this book is about like they're like well it's supposed to be a comedy it's absolutely absurd and that gave me serious pause when i read that yeah no for sure um i don't know what their idea of uh commies are even if you're following shakespeare's definition where like it all works out in the end like there's no indication of the on that's all working out in the end and also nothing like this all feels too real. Yes. Too funny. Right yes. Now. Yes. It's not in this climate. It's not. It's not this but hilarious. But the climate piece. was not. But the climate no, was that's not what I'm any saying. different. Like, yeah. It's hard for me to know like what they thought was so incredibly funny about well, this. Like, don't get me wrong. It's entertaining. Like there are good moments. Like, um, but it's heartbreaking and terrible the way that these women are made to live. Like, what? I don't know what's hilarious about our penal system. I don't. Um, and by our penal system, I mean literally the privatization to the point where uh, every woman that doesn't fit inside a box is sent out to it. Um, well, we have a term for what this is, and it, it's satire. Yeah. I don't know why. I, no, I don't know why. Like, th- I, it seems to me, and, and, you know, I don't want to put them on blast because I do like their book, and I think it's, you know, they're doing they're doing God's work. They're doing, so yeah, they're doing God's work. They did, and, and it's great. It engages good. so many issues. And, but I feel yeah. like I feel like by not using the term and they and they did call it satire, but by by starting kind of lowballing it initially and saying it's it's an absurdist comedy, to me implies that they themselves are a little bit intimidated and want to be a little bit tentative about Bitch Planet, and yeah. that's crazy. So yeah. we have we we have this book which is entirely about women who are who are inconvenient to society and are sent away to a gulag so a, a planet that is a giant gulag because they are non-compliant right and then we have peop- we have the creators of it worrying about their own compliance it's yeah. strange yeah absolutely. it's strange or or no, right. or even the vulnerability i felt admitting that I saw some of myself in Penny because I have kept to go through wor- uh, the world in yeah. a body that's that people tell me is unhealthy, right? Yeah. Like, I felt tentative doing that, even though, like, on the inside, I think I'm pretty cool. <laughs> like, right? Oh, my God. Right? Listen. So, so maybe... MJ, uh, Mayor Johnston, uh, let me say definitively... I clearly feel like you are the coolest person in the oh. world. I would not do this podcast Thank without you. you. And I, and guys, I am actually kind of hard to please as a human. So, <laughs> you know. Please. Well, thank you. This is, this but, is, we've gone through many years together. But it's, so it's so. a weird thing. Um, but to, to, to kind of bring it around. It's a weird thing. But um, DeConnick, the writer, did say something which I think explains why I recommend this book to people. And mm-hmm. she was specifically talking about... Um, the auxiliary contain, uh, I'm sorry, the auxiliary, um, compliance, uh, what is it? Oh, outpost. 
whatever. The bit, Bitch Planet itself, the prison, has its own logo. And right after this book came out, there were a lot of people getting tattoos of this on themselves and taking pictures of it and posting it all over the place. And that must have been incredibly, you know, both of them were sort of, you know, beside Mystified. themselves. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and so flattered and, and just amazed by it. Right. Yeah. And um, DeConnick said she was talking to her friend, a friend of hers. And he said, and she was, and she was talking about the tattoo thing. And he said, well, you know, you, a person doesn't get a tattoo because they're a fan of something in the book. They get a tattoo because the book is a fan of something in them. And I think that that is how I feel about this book. I feel like women, and certainly myself, sort of feel all of this pressure and all of this... All of of these... Expectations and eyes looking at us and and feel like that is a prison prison that we live in. And... To read a book that sort of lays some of that those ideas out is very pleasant to us. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know if like this is not this is not the voice of a generation, but it is it is affirming things that I think pe- real people feel in a way that is fairly profound, and yes. that is worth that is worth the read. Yeah. If we haven't convinced you, I don't know what will. But uh, guys, check out. Bitch Planet, That's and if true. you already did, um, let us know if you had any other hot takes on on our reading analysis of Bitch Planet, anything you think we missed, and uh, as always, please uh, let us know if there's anything you would like us to cover that we are not currently discussing. Also, uh, <laughs> if you want to write something and you don't want to just like send us an email or something, uh, I hear that there's this thing called reviews mm. for podcasts. So, uh, you know, just want to put in a plug, you know, thanks for listening to Space Bros. But uh, to do some writing, you should head over to Apple Podcasts or other platforms of your choice to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. Uh, we love reviews, and we'd love to hear from you. So that seems like the best platform, actually, to reach out for us. Post five stars, and you can say whatever you want. Literally anything. <laughs> I also want to say, um, you know, so far on this show, we've been really enjoying empowering sci-fi media. Sure. Well, listeners, get ready to watch our <laughs> next item between your pearl clutch and fingers. <laughs> We're jolting ourselves awake, but not w- awoke, with the 2016 <laughs> film Passengers. Perfect. So, yeah, guys, cue it up. It's on Amazon Prime. Or maybe it's only on Amazon Prime through Stars. You can find it. You're going to be able to find it. Watch it. Chris Pratt, Jennifer Lawrence, and settle in for um, some troubling uh, moral quandaries about, um, you know, I don't for know. For rape in or space. <laughs> yeah. In space. <laughs> So be sure to visit outrageousmechanisms.com slash space bras, S-P-A-C-E-B-R-A-S, to see our show notes and find other excellent podcasts. And now, join us as we raise our glasses and give the official toast of space bras. In these troubled times, we must remember that even though everyone might suck, we are awesome and the galaxy is ours. Cheers! Cheers!
outrageous, outrageous mechanisms, mechanisms production. production.